Okay. Uh, good morning. Here to offer express conversions to all who seek them. All right. Good to see you. Uh, thanks for joining us online. We're doing our series, uh, starting a brand new series on Galatians, and it's I'm, I'm titling it "How to Be Spiritual Without Being Religious," and I'm going to talk about that in just a second. Um, curious for those that are in the room here. Um, how many of you were here last week? Put your hand up so I know who I'm talking to. All right, how many skipped and you're willing to admit it in public? There are plenty of you. No shame in our church. All right, there we go. That's good. Um, so I hope, I, I can't do it justice, um, but I hope you'll go back and, and catch last week. You can catch it online, I believe. You can go in the bookstore and get a copy of the DVD. But uh, what I was trying to do is set the backstory to the letter that Paul writes to the church in Galatia. And we handed you a copy of that letter. Hopefully you got one. And you can take it. And this summer, this is what we're going to do. But I will give you a, a, a three-minute review or less, two-minute. And um, basically, okay, Paul, this is, uh, here we go. We're going to do, do our best here. This is the Aegean Sea. This is Greece. Here, okay, this is Italy, right, and uh, Sicily, and this is the Mediterranean Sea, all right, and Paul um, takes off on a missionary journey from here, goes here, all right, goes up into here. This is modern day, all right, Turkey, and this is the region of, in Paul's day, Galatia. Ta-da. He travels here. He spreads the good message. How many of you remember? He had some unbelievable things happen in a couple of towns there. Pisidian, Antioch, and Lystra. One place in Lystra, he's worshipped as a god. Do you remember that? Great story. Got to read it. Got to read your Bible. And then it turns around. They, they go from worshipping as a god to stoning him and leaving him for dead. And all kinds of unbelievable hap- things happen in this area. And you can follow that last week. Then... Of course, Paul is driven out of that region. He ends up traveling over here into Greece, uh, and, and uh, his story goes on. But after he leaves, people come behind him, and Paul isn't there anymore, and he spread the great story of Christ, what he referred to as the good news. And when he spread this story... These people came behind him and said, well, that's fine what Paul taught you and everything, but um, there are some other things that you need to do to have God's favor. And they had to do with things like following the law. And one particular thing that they really stressed was you needed to be circumcised. And uh, Paul hears about the people that follow him. They would have come probably from here in Jerusalem, and they come up here into the churches that he starts. And Paul is furious that these people have come and they've undermined his message. And that's what you have when you open your Bible or when you pull out this letter we printed for you, the letter of the Galatians. Paul is furious because they have messed with the churches that he started. And the good news, they were turning into bad news. Or this wonderful message they were changing and distorting so it was no longer recognizable. So, at the beginning of the letter, 
Paul introduces, I am Paul, sent by Christ. And then in chapter 1, verse 6, he says this, um, I am astonished. I am shocked. I can't believe it, that you are so quickly deserting the one who called you to live in the, what's the word? Grace. Let's say it together. One, two, three. Grace of Christ, and you're turning to a different gospel. How, how could you so quickly go from something that was good? And, and, the, and here's, what, here's what we want to talk about today. They switched from what Paul taught them about love and grace and freedom. Love and grace and freedom. Let's say it together. Love and grace and freedom. How many like that? Love and grace and freedom. The story of Christ. And you turned because some guys came behind him and they presented a different gospel, which he goes on to say, this is big, which really is no gospel. It it really isn't good news. By the way, sometimes people put the banner of God or banner of Jesus or banner of Christianity over something, and it really isn't good or Christ-like in any way. Do you see the danger in labeling some things Christian? There, how do you get a Christian label, by the way? Does Jesus hand them out? Yeah, you can put this on your book. Yes, you can put this on your movie. Yes, you can put this... No, you just write Christian on it, and people go, oh, it's Christian. They said, this is the gospel. Paul goes, that's not the gospel. That's not good news. He says, there's no gospel at all. In fact, it, evidently some people, these some people, were, were these guys that came back behind Paul, and some people are throwing you into confusion, and they're perverting the gospel. It's really frustrating When you have something good and somebody comes behind you when you're not there and they change it. I see this all the time. And by the way, this is why I'm so stoked about doing this series on Galatians is because I see similar things happening like 2,000 years later. The story of Jesus is about love and grace and freedom. Love and grace and freedom. And other people have come along and they've used Jesus' name and they put Christ and Christian all over their material. And it's not about freedom and love and grace. It's about rules and religion. Now, if religion is a good word to you, then keep it. I'm not here to fight semantics. How many are with me? All right. But if it has a negative connotation or whatever, then I want to talk about what I would call religion in a negative sense. All right. So if it has a good sense to you, fine, keep it, hold on to it. Put bad religion. Has anybody ever seen bad religion before? Okay. Anybody, you don't have to raise your hand because I don't, anybody experienced bad religion before? Okay. So if you've experienced bad religion, all right, whatever that form was, whatever it came in, I'm going to contrast, compare them. You got your notes? You can pull them out. Plenty of room for doodling, artwork, crayons, whatever your flavor is here, okay? And we're going to contrast them, all right? And religious, 
Now, because of what I do, eventually when I'm out and about, people find out I am a pastor. And then they, first, one of the things, they either apologize for their swearing, and the second thing they do is they need to let me know where they are. I'm in or I'm out or I'm against you, I'm for you. I'm they have to let me know, right? And then one thing to say, oh, I, I'm not religious. And I go, okay. And then, then I always go, neither am I. <laughs> and they go, well, well, yeah, you are because that's what you do. You, and I go, well, no, actually, no. But we'll talk about that later. So religious. And then I'm going to use this word. Spiritual. Now, if that has a bad connotation to you, you can pick something else. But getting this would be religious getting it wrong, and this would be getting it right. Okay? Um, Paul, if you, if you read, now I'm just going to do an overview. I'm just going to overview this whole letter. But I'm going to put a bunch of words up there, and you will see the contrast that Paul is drawing. Okay? One of the words that Paul uses and is probably the theme of this whole letter is this word right here. Freedom. And, oops, I got them wrong. Wrong side. Versus what? He uses the word slavery. But here's the funny thing, and, and you, can, you start to think about it. If you've had a bad religious experience, you're like, it kind of feels like bondage. It feels like you have to do this, and you don't understand why. Anybody ever been in a, in a, in a rules-based religion and you didn't understand why? And like, I, why, why are we doing this exactly? It didn't seem to have any sense to it. This is what Paul was starting to discuss. Now... See if you have had any of these experiences when I say, when I say religious. First of all, people call it today organized religion, right? And what they mean by that is it's man-made. It's man-made. And, and, and why is it man-made? Because they know because then they have another church meeting and something that used to be against the rules that God is now all of a sudden miraculously okay with. Think about it. Think about your own history. You went to this church or this organization, religion, and God was completely against this. You could not do this. And then somehow, in 1976, he changed his mind. And you go, well, why was that okay then? And why was... In other words, what people start to pick up right away is like, this is a bunch of man-made, what? Rules. Man-made rules. And in man-made rules, this is, it, they're high-control environments. They're going to control you. They're going to tell you what you need to do. In the, in the later part of the letter, you should read at your leisure, but he says, people are going to try to compel you. All right? Chapter 6, verses 11 and 12. People trying to compel you. So in Paul's situation, they came behind Paul, and they were trying to compel people to be circumcised. How many know being circumcised when you're eight days old is one thing? Being circumcised when you're 40 is a whole other animal. I mean, in other words, it was like, can't we just let that one go? No, you can't let it go. In fact, this is, to be truthful, this is the crux of the letter. 
If you go back and read the whole thing when you get to the very end, this is what this was the issue. And and Paul was like, God doesn't care about that. And the religious crowd said, Yes, he does. Yes, he does. And this is the battle that ensued. And it was a man-made thing. The second part of a organized religion is it's external. It focuses on the outside, right? Rules-based focuses on the outside. Did you do this? Did you finish your, this class? Have you achieved this? Have you done this? And people have this ranking system based on what you've done or not done as to how pleased God is with you. And then, of course, people are proud right? They walk around with a little bit of pride because they accomplished X and Y. And here's why this is important. Paul knew this because Paul grew up in a rules-based system. In fact, he was really good at it. You can read in Philippians chapter 3, he was the best at it. He was the head of his class. He was in the Harvard of his religious day, and he was the head of his class. In other words, when it came to doing religion and the rules and knowing it all and getting it all, he was an A-plus student. I see you guys all the time, right? And people are like, oh, boy, you know, I don't know this verse. I don't know that. I don't know this. And, and people have this sense, like, I'm not good enough, right? And what happens in these environments is people start to feel rankings. The really religious, uh, they're a good Christian. I'm kind of a bad Christian. Most people tell me they're bad Christians, but they're trying, right? And they, it's a ranking system. The third thing, this is so important, when you have organized religion, is you have prejudice. Prejudice. I want to talk about this for a minute. All of us know that prejudice is wrong or bad. Racial prejudice is horrible, an abomination, right? I mean, to to not like someone or to oppress someone because of the, 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 the tone or the tan that God has given them is ridiculous. But prejudice goes deeper than that. Prejudice gets, becomes religious, it becomes heritage, it becomes geography, it becomes all kinds of things. And man-made religion plays right into prejudice. It allows for people with prejudice to hold on to that prejudice rather than challenge it. Spiritual challenges prejudice. It asks a couple more questions. By the way, as we read this letter, this is the overview. We're going to get in. But one of the things that you're going to find, one author said this. I think this is unbelievably cool. The first time in human history that we have in writing that men and women are equal was by the Apostle Paul. Now, I haven't verified that. I don't know if you can verify it for me, but think just it's an unbelievable thought. Because if I go up here today and say, you know, hey, guys, men and women are equal, you'd go, duh. You know, wake up, Kramer. It's 2017. I'm not saying they're always treated equal. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is they are equal. I mean, hear what I'm saying. Please look at me. Help me. Somebody participate. Do you believe that? Please help me. God. Okay. You believe. Okay, good, good. They are. But where did that idea come from? You say, well, duh, Chris, that's not news. That's not earth shaking. Where did it come from? Perhaps, if this is true, Paul, right, in this letter, 
He says, in Christ, there is no male or female, Jew or Gentile, slave or free. Now you say, duh, that's, but when it was said, when it was written, it was a bombshell idea. They're equal. What Paul did in this letter changed human history. It was gutsy. It was courageous. I mean, you think some of the things people did do now are courageous for equality and justice. The things that Paul did were unbelievable in the way that he took steps to make courageous. Now, here's the other thing. People are religious is inherently hypocritical. Inherently hypocritical. What's the thing people always say? Oh, I don't go to church. They're just a bunch of hypocrites. And so I always say, hypocrite number one, I'd love to meet you. Here I am. Anybody here not a hypocrite? I'd love to meet you. Is anybody here not a hypocrite? Okay, of course you're a hypocrite. It's just a matter of what degree, what day of the week. We're all hypocritical in some way, huh? How many are hypocritical because you were fighting on the car and then when you walked into church, how you doing? Of course you're a hypocrite. Of course you're a hypocrite. Of course I'm a hypocrite, right? right. We, don't, we, we don't want to try to practice it. We don't want to try to get good at it. How many are with me? But, it's, but here's the thing. This system to be religious is inherently, it has hypocrisy built into it. Because if you choose to follow it and say, I follow... The, I got I to gotta get real here for a minute. I hate to do it, but I got to. I meet people all the time, all the time. Oh, man. Oh, it's tiring. I just follow the word, Pastor. I just follow the word. I go, really? Oh, yeah, I just follow the word. I just do what it tells me. I, just, I, had, when I was in a meeting one time with a guy. Unbelievable. Talk about hypocrisy. He just goes, it's the word of God. It's above me. I just do what it says. I go, all the time? Oh, yeah. All the time when I feel like it, or the verses that make sense to me, or things that fit with my worldview. Come on. Come on, dude. All I want to say is, he's a pastor. I want to go, come on, dude. Everybody knows. In fact, that's what Paul writes in Galatians. He goes, if you start to go down this path, you're under obligation to do all of it. All of it? All of it. If, if If that's your MO, you say, oh, no, I just follow the word. Come on. You follow the parts that you like. Right? Women, wear your head coverings in church. Oh, I don't follow that one because... <laughs> and then they start to gag over some excuses that they, you don't follow because you don't want to follow it. Because that's not our system. We have done away... This is important. Chill. Everybody chill, right? We've done away with it. We have a better system. Doesn't mean we can learn from the scriptures. Oh, man, I mean, we talk about it every Sunday. We talk about it, I learn all the time. But to fool yourself, it's inherently hypocritical. How are you getting what I'm saying? You go down this path, and Paul goes, if you go down that path, you're under a curse, is what he says. You're going to love reading this letter. Now, get this. It's inherently hypocritical because you can't follow it. Chapter 5, verse 3, if you go under that system, you're obligated to obey the whole law. How many got a shirt with two different kinds of material in it? Cotton poly, you're out. 
Leviticus, it says that, right? How many have a garden and two different kinds of seeds in it? You're out. It's ridiculous. And, and if you've ever been in a rules-based system or you've ever... Who's ever had a ridiculous rule? Not even in church, but in, in an institution. A ridiculous rule imposed on you. You're like, this is the dumbest rule ever. And what do you find out? Well, at some point in the history of that organization, that rule may probably have made sense at some point. But in the application that you are now, it doesn't make any sense. And what, what religion, and when it's gone wrong, is it's overly focused on the rules and not focused on the relationship. This, by the way, is what Orchard Grove Community Church is all about. If you want to know what we're about, we were like, we want to tell you about something different. Like, we're this church that just kind of has our hand up and a, and a marker that I lost. And, 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 and my hand's up. like, I just want to tell you about something different. I want to tell you it's not about rules. It's about relationship. And when you have a relationship, do you have some rules? Or, of course. But the, but the relationship always triumphs, always is superior to the rule. Always. We have dinner at 5 o'clock. That's a good rule. It's a guideline. It's an idea. But sometimes you don't get there. Sometimes someone's sick. Someone's someone's late. You ever tell your kids, don't ever, ever cross the street without mommy present, without daddy present. Don't you ever cross the street. How many had that rule growing up? You should have. I'll turn a couple of you in. Yeah. You're like, you cannot. Ever, ever. How many have said Ever. Now, you didn't mean that rule. What you meant is until you're 14, until you're this. Until... But you said ever. In other words, you just want to drive it home. This is for your safety. This is for your importance. Don't you ever cross the street without mommy. And then what? Sometimes later, the most important thing they could do, right? When they're 16 years old and the dog ran into the street, the most important thing they could do is what? Go grab the dog. Or their younger brother. And they go, and, no, mom said, no, no, the rule is can't go out there. But we see, no, but we've seen this kind of ridiculous stuff. And it's woven into religion. And then it gets really wacky. You know, no, I, I can't tell you how many times people have said, well, I don't know, but that's just what God says. No, God said, use your brain. God said, use your heart, use your head. I gave it to you. And the rules are there. But let's, look, this is just when you get it wrong, Paul goes, and he's so frustrated. He, he calls the Galatians idiots. Chapter 3, verse 1. Read it. You idiots. Paul can't decide who he's more frustrated with. The people that he spoke this message to originally or the people that came behind him. He's really mad at them. He called them the Judaizers. Okay? And Paul can't decide who he is more upset with. Now, for a minute, if I could talk about what it means to be spiritual. So you have, you have different words here. This one you would have law. This here you would have grace. So when people come to you and say, what is your church about? You say, oh, well, we just follow the law. What are you telling me? You go, I don't know. It's like a place of grace. Um, it's 
It's about rules. And you say, ah, I don't know, ours just seems to be more about what? Relationship. Um, this seems to be like a lot about if you don't do the right thing, you are going to be what? And this is about love. I could go on and on and on, but here's one of the big ones. Paul uses this word over and over and over and over again, and he uses this word, spirit. Spirit. I think it's 25 times in this letter. So when you see a pattern like that, you're like, he's trying to say something. What does spirit have to do with? Something in here. Now, here's why people get nervous. And I, so I know why people get nervous when you do this versus law, versus the rules. Because it's squishy, right? Most of you don't want to tell your kids and say, just trust your spirit, come home whenever your spirit leads you. Honey, I just trust your spirit. <laughs> A little too squishy, isn't it? For teenagers? Huh? Just trust your gut, honey. No. <laughs> no, don't trust your gut. Get your rear end home <laughs> at this time, all right? All right. So we, we have trouble with it because it's squishy. But this is so important. I mean, read the letter. Read it. He's just driving this home. It's about spirit. It's about spirit. It's about spirit. He goes over and over and over again. And why is this important? Because when you open your heart and your life to God's spirit, God puts his spirit in you. In, you. in, fact, in fact, you're going to read in the second chapter... 2 verse 20, I no longer live, Paul said, but Christ lives in me. He's just living in me. Now, the reason we get upset is because it's like, it's, it's a little too squishy for raising teenagers, but there's something right when you become a mature adult. Think about it. I follow my spirit. I meet people all the time. They go, you know, I just feel this in my heart. And they always feel bad. Like, I don't know if that's the right thing. I'm like, oh, man, when that heart's lined up with God's spirit, man, that's 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 a good meter. Paul says later in the letter, he goes, the fruit, the product. Ah, this is big. What does this produce? What does this produce? Ready? This is important. This produces emoji uptight people. Saturday Night Live church lady or whoever you want to be. I mean, in other words, you pagans, you watch that show? All right, I shouldn't have got that kind of laugh, Tim Beeler. It produces uptight people, religious people, right? Over-the-top people, Bible thump. It just produces eh, angry people. You're not doing it right. You're not doing it right. Anybody ever had one of these delightful conversations? This is important. Paul goes, the fruit of the spiritual life, or the spirit-led life is the phrase he uses over and over again. The fruit of that, the byproduct, the end game, the end result. Are you ready for this? Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness. 
How many want to work in that office? Brothers and sisters, who wants to work there? Who wants to live in that neighborhood? Who wants to attend that church? Who wants to have dinner in that household? Can I say them again? Love. Happiness. Peace. And my, my boss is just so full of love. He's so happy. She's so patient. So kind, so gentle, gentle. Paul goes on and he says, everybody's signing up for that. Everybody's signing up for that. You go to church, you don't go to church, you're religious, you believe, you don't believe. Everyone says yes to that. There isn't a person with their senses about them that says no to love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control. What does this produce? Emoji. Yay! Party hat. The fruit of the Spirit. This is important. The whole thing is about this. Paul says, I gave you this, and then these guys came along, and you bought into this. Why did you let them do that to you? Think about this. The way God gets us to hear, he calls it fruit of the Spirit, of being Spirit-led or spiritual. How does fruit grow? Slowly and naturally. How does fruit grow? Slowly and naturally. How do you become more of this, love, joy, peace, Christ-like, I would say? Slowly but naturally. Anybody ever been in a religious system where they needed to force you to do something or be something? I always, I always use this example. It's like, duct, it's like duct taping grandma's plastic fruit on. Anybody at your grandma's house have plastic fruit on the dinner table? Didn't you play with the grapes? They're always dusty. <laughs> Aren't they always dusty? I just want to dust the grapes. So a lot of religious systems, it's like plastic fruit. You get the duct tape out and you just, this is wonderful. And we're trying to impose these things on you. Listen, nothing should be imposed. Everything should be organic. You're following the Spirit and He's changing you. And He changes you not from the outside in. He changes you from the what? Inside out. And it just starts to happen. Wouldn't it be, wouldn't it be phenomenal if you naturally, not because people always go, oh, I'm biting my tongue. Oh, I'm biting my... Oh, I'm going to try to be better. I'm going to try. And the word try and human effort, try and human effort are also in this side. But wouldn't it be awesome is if it just was there. You didn't have to try to be sweet, but you were sweet. No, someone was mean to you and it just flowed. It just, the reaction was, I feel sorry for that person and I love them. Wouldn't that be sweet to be? That's what God has in mind and in store for you. You didn't force it. I got to love this person, this idiot, this loser. This. You just, 
you actually feel it because you've been transformed here. Paul has such a vision for us in this letter of the people that we could become. He says in there, until Christ is formed in you. That is, until your life is so saturated with his spirit that it's more natural for you to be loving than to be hateful. It's more natural for you to be happy than hurting. It's more natural for you to be gentle than rude. Wouldn't that be good? I don't know what happened. I just hugged him. His spirit just takes over in us. This is a major contrast that Paul is trying to get us to buy into. Let me just show you before we close how Paul is driving home this idea of being spiritual or spirit-led, if that's a better word for you. Galatians 5.16, he says, So I say, he's getting to the end of the letter. This is the last two chapters. So I say, walk by the Spirit. Let's say it together. So I say, walk by the Spirit. All right, next verse, verse 18. He says, but if you are, what is it? Led by the Spirit. Then he goes on to say, verse 22, I believe, 25, since we, what? Live by the Spirit. These are so important. I think it's chapter 6, verse 1. He says, you who are spiritual or led by the Spirit. Spiritual. What does God want from us? Does God want from us to be religious in the sense that we have believed or talked ourselves into we follow all the rules and we do it all right and we can look down on people that aren't and and we can decide who's in and who's out or does God want us to open our hearts to his spirit and follow the way of his spirit now in case you're wondering about the squishy part like Chris yeah but that's not good that's not good because people get away with stuff and they say the spirit led me trust me I know (laughs) trust me I know people say all kinds of things well God led me to this but Paul really just says the, the, the proof is in the pudding. We know. We know what was done out of selfishness and what's done out of spirit. It's obvious. And Paul warns him. He goes, don't use this freedom to indulge in your sinful nature. Perhaps the best way to do this is, is anyone here raising a teenager currently? Okay, we're going to have a special prayer service for you at the end. Okay. I work with teenagers. Look, it, when they're real young, you give them the rules. They're hard and they're fast. And, you, and if they don't obey them, you just grab them by the back of the shirt and you yank them, right? Now, when they get to be teenagers, things start changing, and you have to allow them to be free. You, you, you just start to. It just starts happening. And as you allow them to be free, you try, what you try to do is you try to give freedom with a little bit of sense. Okay, now you're going to go out, you can do whatever you want, you're going to be here for three, four hours or whatever, and try to, whatever your rules, whatever your guidelines, whatever your suggestions are, try to use your head. Try to only stay in groups. Try to this, try to, right? And you give some guidelines. But as you're giving freedom, so I'm going to let you do this, honey, but please don't abuse it. 
But Paul goes, is you're free, but don't use your freedom to indulge in selfishness, which harms other people. There's so much freedom that Paul has to give a caveat. That's how much freedom there is. Now, I know this is a little bit of an introduction and perhaps a little too much, but this is important because I want for everyone here to understand something. As we dive in and read this letter, Christ and the good news and the great story of Jesus is life-giving and fruit-producing and freedom-compelling. It's all the good stuff. Don't let anyone with a Bible degree or a King James accent. All right? Next week I threaten to wear a tie. I might wear a tie because Paul gets defensive because they start to attack Paul, which is why he gets a little chippy in the first part of the letter. And I've been attacked I don't know how many times by people. He's not legit. He's not the real thing. He doesn't know the Bible. I could play Bible bingo with all those knuckleheads. I could. I could. I, I could. I can. I know how. But it, I, it's, not, it's not the point. I love them. Paul called them things too, so it's okay. But I mean, I, I didn't name anybody. But here's the thing. I, I get it. But they don't follow it either. They just follow the parts they want to follow. We're, we're trying to go for a whole new system. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness. Follow the Spirit. Follow the Spirit. Follow the Spirit. Think about this. He goes, after he says all these things of the Spirit, he goes, there's no law against any of that. Huh? Go to work and look at your HR manual. Is there any law against being gentle? kind, patient. That's universal stuff. It's what everybody wants. And it's what God produces in us when we follow the way of the Spirit.